Okay, hello and welcome to season two, episode number five of Marketing Nuggets with Gabriela Ferenczi. That's my name. I'm a German and Hungarian language teacher, language coach, and I'm a founder of a language training company called Prolingua Global. I live in London. I'm based in London, and I specialize in working with corporate leaders in the financial services industry. Now, in January 2021, I started a passion project that I like to call Thrive Online, and it's a place where I share the nitty-gritty of practical modern online marketing with fellow language professionals, and this show is also part of that. Now, in this marketing nugget, I'm talking to Adrian Savage, email marketing expert and founder of the Deliverability Dashboard, which is a software that helps you get more emails to people's inboxes. Adrian, welcome and thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be interviewed on the Marketing Nuggets podcast. Gabriela, thank you so much. Now listen, what we want to start with before we dig deep into uh, into the big question, you know, what is your story actually? Like what's your background and how did you end up being an email marketing expert? And more, more importantly, what inspired you to actually launch the deliverability dashboard itself? Oh, okay. So I'll very briefly go back to when I was seven years old. Um, and my dad actually brought home one of the very original first Apple computers, Apple II computers home to, to help him do his work. Um, and I very quickly ended up teaching my dad how to use the computer because he was about to throw it out of the window. So that kind of, um, that, that marked me as a geek from then on. Um, and I've always had an interest in IT and things to do with that ever since. Um, I did the, the usual thing, did a computing degree, uh, and then I worked in IT and telecom for many, many years. Um, and it was only when my ex-wife actually moved to um, about five hours drive away from me with the kids that, that that gave me a reason to need to change what I was doing. Um, so that was a time when I ended up quitting my job so I could spend more time traveling to see my kids. Um, and I got into the world of marketing almost by accident, I guess. I joined a few different um, mastermind groups and training sessions and things like that. And everyone was talking about online marketing. Um, and most people got terrified of it. Um, and there I was, I was the only geek in the room and I was you know, seeing, saying how cool everything was and people started asking me for my help. Um, so I learned about a platform called Infusionsoft um, and I helped people use that to start communicating with their audience. And that was, that was how the first, the first part of my kind of online marketing journey went. Um, and I just loved helping people get their message out, helping people make more of a difference. But one of the common problems they had was that they were sending emails out and they, were, they weren't getting good open rates. Their emails were going to the spam folder and so on. Um, and there wasn't much expertise out there as to how to actually do better. So I started investigating that. And because I'm a bit of an IT geek, I started writing bits of software to help people. Um, and I guess that was what really inspired what became Deliverability Dashboard, because I knew that there were certain things that can make a big difference between whether the emails you send will go into the inbox or the spam folder or whatever. Um, but it's not always easy to understand why that might be the case. And I found that on the one hand, I was needing to train people so that they could understand what they needed to do. But I couldn't always get the message across clearly enough because 
it's sometimes it's very difficult to get people to change their habits. So the software that I came up with started to analyze how people were sending their emails and how they were looking after their mailing list and give them a very and it evolved to a point where I could give them a very simple score where zero is really bad and 100 is really good. And people started to understand that. So I guess it's kind of that the software almost helps me get the message across so I can get people to run the health check inside the dashboard and I say, right, okay, so you're in a really good place. You don't need to do anything, but actually maybe you over there, you've got an issue. Here's what you need to do about it. And the software just helps me explain in more detail what the important things are they need to do. And also it's just a good way of tracking your progress, I guess. If you've got a poor score and it starts to improve, then it means you can see things are getting better without having to just rely on whatever reports you've got in your email platform or, or whatever. Um, and I just love helping people. So getting the software in front of as many people as possible and getting my knowledge in front of as many people as possible is, is what gets me out of bed in the morning. I just love doing it. And I understand that the, uh, the email health check, I think that's what you call it. That's, a, that's actually a free tool that Absolutely. anybody can try and, and, and use yeah. and see how successful their, uh, their campaigns are and identify a couple of opportunities, what we could, what we could do better. Totally. Got it. We can talk about that a little bit later, but then let's get to the actual question here. So what can we do? What can we do when we use email marketing tools like MailChimp, HubSpot, uh, Infusionsoft, uh, you name it? What can we do to make sure that our emails are actually landing in the inbox and not in the spam or promo folder? So this is, this is something I could talk about for hours, days, months, and we've only got what, half an hour. So I'm going to try and keep this as as simple as possible because the, the challenge with email deliverability is it's like a massive jigsaw puzzle there's lots and lots of different things that can influence where your email will go but what i can do is just pick out the most important areas because while there's no one quick fix the good news is there are a few important things that you can make a change to fairly quickly and that will normally make enough of a difference that you will see improvements fairly quickly um, and i've come up with an acronym uh, that spells out the word race and that helps you remember what those four important things are um, and that stands for reputation authentication content and then engagement in my opinion engagement is the most important part but everything you know, all four of those areas have their part to play um, and what I can do is just very quickly cover each of those and then maybe ask me more about that. Reputation is very, very simple because that is, that's what the world thinks of the emails that you're sending out. You've got to bear in mind that Google has a stranglehold on email. They control more than 50% of the world's email boxes that we're likely to send to. Microsoft have another maybe 15, 20%. Yahoo are there. And if you've got a normal... Um, consumer or small business audience that's what your audience will look like if you're working with corporates sometimes it's not quite the same but the rules are very simple it's a very similar sorry um, and the thing with reputation is that google in particular and all the others they're keeping an eye on what you're doing and if everybody is ignoring the emails you send out your reputation is going to get bad very quickly um, so and, and equally if you're sending spammy emails out that nobody wants if you're adding people to your list without their permission um, all of those things they're going to damage your reputation and 
if you go back a few years, then it was the reputation of the email platform you used that made the difference. Um, so it might be that, say, Infusionsoft might have been better than MailChimp or MailChimp might have been better than Constant Contact. But the thing is now it's very different to that. And the email platform you use doesn't make that much of a difference. It's how you use the platform that matters. Um, lots of people ask me, is Infusionsoft better than MailChimp? Um, and the answer I give is, well, actually, it doesn't make that much difference. Because if you imagine that you're working out at a gym and you're trying to keep fit, um, if you just do the same exercises at a different gym, you're not going to get any fitter. And email is just the same as that now. It doesn't matter what platform you use. It's how you do it. And it's the, it's the behavior that you show. Um, and that's so, so their reputation matters, but they look after their reputation. It's mainly up to you and what you do. And that's what covers the reputation. Um, and you know, engagement has a massive impact on that. And I'll mention that in a second. Um, the other thing I'll give a quick mention to is authentication. Um, which is super important. And it's a one-off thing. You only set up your email authentication once. So when you first sign up for something like MailChimp or ActiveCampaign, whatever platform it is, there will be a setting in there somewhere to set up your email authentication. Really important you do that because this is how you can demonstrate the emails you're sending out are legitimate. It's something that the spammers can't do. So it sets you apart. So authentication is vital. Um, and then the C for content now, this, we could talk about this forever, um, but it's all down to um, what the, the, the way that you word things, not having too many images, not having too many links, and also sending things frequently enough. And I think you know, you've probably got a few different questions about that later on, so I won't preempt that too much now. But the thing I will talk about most at this stage is engagement, because this is the one important thing. Um, you know, I've mentioned authentication, and that's a one-off thing that you really should do uh, just to make sure everything is set up correctly. And that's a one-off. The thing with engagement is this is an ongoing activity that you have to carry on doing forever. It's the one thing you really need to change the most. Because if you manage your engagement effectively and you only send emails to people that have opened something from you recently, you're going to really boost your reputation. The better, the better engagement you have, the better your reputation. The better your reputation, the more likely it is that future emails you send are going to go into the inbox. So even though you might find that you're getting the same number of people opening your emails, if you're only sending them out to the people that opened recently, your open rate percentage will increase. And it's that open rate that really, really matters. I'll often joke to a client that I can double their open rate in a split second. And the way that I'll do it is I'll literally go in and I will delete half of their contacts that haven't opened anything for a while. And that will take a 20% open rate up to a 40% open rate. There's no more people seeing the email, but that doesn't matter because what matters is to the Googles and Microsoft this world, you're suddenly looking like you've got a much better performance and they will start to reward you. So that's why this matters so much. But those are the four things, if you just remember, reputation, authentication, content, engagement. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant summary. And let's let's get into the nitty gritty here. And at least a few points that I would like to mention because sure. I can hear our listeners uh, asking questions here. For example, um, open rates. What's good and what, what counts as, uh, as not the best? What would okay. you say? So this is a really tough one because it does depend very much on how well you're managing your engagement. Because as, as we said, if, if you're sending lots of emails to people that have never opened anything, you're going to have a poor open rate. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll speak to um, what it should look like if you're managing your engagement well and you're only sending things to people that have opened something in the last maybe the 30 days or at the very most, I wouldn't go back beyond the last 90 days. And if you're 
sending just to those people, you should be able to get a 30, maybe 40% open rate, even a 50% open rate, depending on a few other factors like how often you're sending and, and, and so on. But if you're getting, say, 10 or 20%, there's definitely room for lots of improvement. If you're in the single figures, like 5% open rates, then you're probably doing something not that great, and there's a lot that you could do. But it certainly doesn't hurt to aim for 30% or higher. If you're getting 30% already, you're doing a great job. You can possibly still get it higher. But the thing to bear in mind is you should never really compare your open rate with someone else's. The only thing that matters is how does your open rate compare with last week or last month or whatever. If it's going up, then great. If it's going down, maybe things aren't so good. Plain text or HTML? Oh, okay. Now in the good old days, plain text was much more likely to land in the inbox, but things have evolved a lot since then. Um, and it's more the appearance of the email that matters. Now, the, the downside of plain text is that you can't do any form of tracking. Um, so you don't know how many people have opened the email because email opens can only be tracked if you actually embed a tiny invisible image in the email. And if you're using plain text, you can't do that. And that's why MailChimp and so on cannot track open rates if you're sending plain text. Um, Maybe plain text still gets slightly better deliverability, but it's not enough to make a difference. And it's more important you can see the performance of your email. So my recommendation is to always use HTML, but don't make it too pretty. It still needs to look like it's an email that's been sent from one person's outlook to another. So it shouldn't have a nice big pretty graphic at the top or anything like that, because that will almost certainly send it to the promotions tab, if not the spam folder. It just needs to start with a, you know, just a normal salutation, dear Gabriella, hi Gabriella, something like that. A little bit of text. You might have an image in there somewhere. Um, just if, you, if you've got a particular um, point you want to reinforce and then you sign off and then you might have a little signature at the bottom. But you know anything, if you've got lots of images, lots of links, anything like that, then it's gonna start hurt things. So it still needs to look as plain as possible, even though HTML gives you that ability to report. I caught your uh, your Facebook live the other day where you it was a very short one but I, but it was an eye uh, an eye opener for me and it was about social links. Yes. So all these social links in the footer area of these emails. You are saying that it's a big no no. So there's two reasons really. I mean, the first thing is if you're sending an email out and you've got some kind of call to action where you want people to click a link, go to your website, whatever, then if you're putting social links at the bottom, then you're distracting people and you're detracting from the chance that they're going to follow your main call to action. So from a just general marketing point of view, it's not a great idea. Um, if you want to promote your, your social media, send a separate email out just to promote that. It'll be much more effective. But from a deliverability point of view, the challenge you face is supposing you're promoting YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, that's five different little images and five different links in your emails. And we've already said that the more images, the more links, then the more likely it's going to look like a promotion or even end up in spam. But the other challenge is if you're linking to something like YouTube, the actual reputation of the websites you're linking to can be a reason enough for the email to go to spam. Because believe it or not, YouTube and some of the other social networks often end up on very block lists because lots of people complain about spam complaints when they're sent things like YouTube links because it's not because YouTube is spammy but it's because people don't like the links and they will hit the spam button in an email that's got YouTube in it so that means that if you then send your own emails out with a link to YouTube then if YouTube is on that block list at that moment your email might go to spam not because of anything you've done but because YouTube has a temporarily 
bad reputation. So always best to only link to um, pages on your own website where you've got control of your reputation and avoid those social media links pretty much at all costs. And just to, uh, to avoid this thing about YouTube. So having said uh, that, you know, including YouTube links is not the best practice mm -hmm. because it can send uh, emails to promo or even spam folder. However, if there is something legit that I would like to share and it's on YouTube, then, then I'm thinking, okay, what, what can we do? Would it be okay to send people to our website where we have got the YouTube embedded? Yeah. Absolutely, because then you're sending it to your website where you're in control of your own reputation. And as you say, you can just use the YouTube embed code, put the, put the video onto the page on your website, and that's absolutely fine. And that's much better because obviously you're then in control of the experience after they watch the video as well. Because if you just send them off to the YouTube site, they're going to end up down some kind of YouTube black hole, clicking and clicking and clicking. If they're on your website, then you can still decide what happens next. So lots of positive reasons to always send to your websites and put the video on there rather than just send them to YouTube or, or whatever else. Got it. Frequency, how often should we send? How often should we not send emails? And how does it influence the deliverability of these okay. emails? So frequency doesn't directly impact deliverability because every email you send, as long as you're sending frequently to the people that have opened, then you're still doing, you're, you're still helping your reputation. So for the month of February, I sent an email every single day to my audience. Um, and I found that my open rates dropped a little bit, maybe from the mid forties down to the mid thirties, because no one's going to open every single email. Although actually, I think it was about 12% of my audience did open all 28 emails I sent out, which was, well, that really surprised me. Um, but what I did find is that even though the open rates were a bit lower, then because it's a different 30% that open every single email each day, then I actually reached more than 75% of my audience in that month because there was so much of a scatter effect. So the frequency itself, the, the more often you send something, the better, as long as it's valuable content, as long as it's only to the people that want to hear from you. And you might get a slightly higher level of unsubscribes. Um, the unsubscribe, the number of people that unsubscribe per email was lower, but obviously, again, then there was just more emails that I was sending out. But I'm never, I don't ever have a problem with unsubscribes because those are people that probably weren't my ideal audience anyway. And if they don't love what I'm sending out, then I'd rather they weren't on my list because they're the ones that are going to start ignoring me. They're the ones that I will probably have to remove myself. So if they unsubscribe, they're doing me a favor. So I'd say that, you know, the, the days we're sending one email a month and that's enough are gone. I think in an ideal world, you need to be sending at least one thing out every week. And you know that's only 50 mails a year. You should be able to find 50 things to say. Um, if you can send more frequently, then great. Um, but certainly don't go less than once a month because otherwise you also risk that, that um, you're going to start hitting spam traps as well. Because sometimes an email address that's fallen into disuse gets disabled. And then after a month or two, then it gets reactivated as a spam trap. And if you haven't been sending regularly, then your email marketing software won't pick up the fact that, that email got switched off and you might still be sending to them. So sending at least once a month is really important. And if you can do it more frequently than that, even better. I've got an interesting experience to share, and I wonder what uh, what your answer is to uh, to this. Uh, to, to well, it's not a question, but you know, here is what happened uh, to me. So I've got an email list that I sent. So for every fortnight, I would send an email to my clients, collection of useful things uh, about what to watch, what to read, yep. that will help them on their language learning journey. And I use Mailchimp. 
as an email marketing tool. What's interesting is when it comes to checking the statistics and open rates and who opened and who clicked, you know, uh, there are people I know are receiving these emails. I'm talking mostly about corporate clients mm -hmm. here. So corporate emails, uh, email addresses who are receiving the emails because they are asking me about the content, they are referring to the content, so I know they are opening. Yep. However, I can't see them actually really opening uh, inside MailChimp. Why is that? Yep. So this, this is going back to the problem we've got where emails are tracked just by using images. So what MailChimp is doing is it's putting an invisible one pixel image in every single email. And then as long as the person reading the email views that invisible image, then it will track as an open. But the problem you often face, particularly with corporates, is they will disable the downloading of those images. So even if they open the message, they can't see it. Um, this is why it's so important that you always put some kind of link in your email to get people to click on because while an image can be blocked then the links cannot be blocked a link tracking is pretty much 100% accurate so if someone clicks a link in your email even if you can't see they've opened it then you will know that they've opened it because the link tracking has kicked in and it shows that you've got a link so you know yes open tracking particularly with a corporate audience is always going to be that little bit inaccurate but if you put the links in there as well um, then you can always tell and this is why I say it's always important to have some kind of link in every email and that way then if if people if you do get to the point where you're sending an email saying hey it looks like you haven't been reading my emails click here if you want to stay on my list then again you've got that click in there so even if they have been reading all your emails you're not going to risk losing them because there's nothing worse than unsubscribing someone who genuinely is reading your emails you just don't know about it but this is the problem is you know from a deliverability and from an open tracking point of view we're always running quite blind we don't know if that email is going to the inbox, the spam folder, promotions or whatever. And we don't know 100% if someone's opening or not. Um, just to actually make matters worse, if you have got a corporate um, audience, there's a lot of corporate spam filters that will actually follow those links and open those images even before the person reads the email. So when I send out my email to 2000 people, Within the first 60 seconds normally, I get about 40 or 50 opens and clicks because the spam filters have actually checked out every single link in that email. So I know the person hasn't really read it, um, but it says they have. So occasionally there's gonna be some false positives, some false negatives, but the thing to bear in mind is that the majority of your audience, fortunately, it will still be reasonably accurate. But yeah, you can, you can get these edge cases where it doesn't quite match what's really happening in real life, which can be a pain. Understood. Now, uh, I don't know if you know about this tool. I think it's an extension called GMAS. Yes. And I understand that some colleagues of mine, some language professionals are actually using this in order to send out mass emails in order to track who is actually opening. And they are saying that it actually makes sure that the, uh, that the email lands in the inbox of, uh, of the audience. What, what is your take on this? Okay, so GMAS is a really cool tool because effectively it makes Google, G Suite in particular, it makes it behave like an email marketing platform. Now, the, the problem you face is that Google have strict limits on how many emails they will tolerate you sending for marketing and in bulk and so on. So once your mailing list reaches a certain size, you'll find that, even, that GMAS won't work because Google won't let you send more than a certain number of messages in one day. Um, but as long as you're inside that, GMAS is actually very good because it looks to the recipient as if that email got sent personally from your Google address. Um, and 
that means that you're more likely to reach the inbox using something like Gmas than you are if you're using MailChimp because MailChimp and any other bulk email platform is kind of, even though they've got a good reputation, it's not as good as the reputation of the one-to-one mail platforms. So Gmas is a good way of just increasing the likelihood slightly of those emails getting through. Um, and it can do open tracking, it can do link tracking and things like that. And I think it can handle the, the bounces. So if the email doesn't get through, they can actually take you off the list. So I think in specific cases, Gmas is very good, but I wouldn't recommend it as a silver bullet to use as your mailing list grows and grows because sooner or later, then you are going to reach the point where you can't use it. And I have worked with people where they received a few too many spam complaints from the people they were sending and their entire Google account got shut down. So that's the other side of it is that at least if supposing something goes wrong with MailChimp, then you can always go and set up active campaign or something like that. If your main primary sending address gets cut off, Google can act as judge, jury and executioner and they will not let you back in if you actually get too many complaints. So you do have to be careful from that perspective. But as long as what you're sending out is something that people want and you're not going to get lots of complaints, then it is a good tool. And I've, I've got nothing against it as long as you're small enough to, to stay under the radar. How about your, so you've got this free tool, uh, the email health checker. Can you just talk a little bit about that, what that actually can help us understand about our email marketing? Sure. So the, the health check works with most of the popular marketing platforms we've got. I'm always adding other ones in, but at the moment it supports things like MailChimp, ActiveCampaign, Keep and Infusionsoft, Contact, Campaign Monitor, SendinBlue, uh, HubSpot. So those are the ones that we're supporting right now, and we're adding mail Mailer Lite, we're adding Maripost, we're adding um, Aweber soon as well. So there's going to be more platforms that we support. And the idea is you just very simply connect your platform up to the health check. It will then go and look at the emails that you sent to each person. And then it will give you a nice simple score just telling you how well you're managing that engagement. And it's very simple. It's really looking at how many people are you sending emails to that haven't opened something recently versus they have opened something recently. And also how well new members of your audience for engaging it takes all of that data crunches it down and gives you a nice simple score where like i said earlier it's between zero which is really bad 100 which is really good and most people will typically get somewhere in the middle but then it will start to share hints and tips that you can then follow to actually improve the health score and the higher the health score then the better the chance you've got of getting a good open rate and there's other reports that sit behind that if you want to get more into the detail but the health check itself in most cases it's fairly quick it's very simple to understand and it will just help you start to make improvements we'll make sure to uh, to include all these links in the uh, in the podcast notes so anyone can uh, can check it out and follow up with it now just to round this up what would you say what is the most uh, critical skill in email marketing that has made a difference in your business the biggest thing that the, the biggest difference for me was once I started sending more emails out, but I changed the way that I was sending the email. So it, I, most people, when they're sending emails to the audience, they will just share things that their audience needs to learn, things they need to know. Um, and what I did when I started sending emails every day is I started including a few more stories. So I was just talking about what I was doing, things that I'd experienced, and it has added that personal element into it. And probably 99% of the time, people like to 
learn and engage and buy from other people you know so the more human and the more real you can make your emails the more likely you are to are to engage with people and that made a huge difference to me because i started getting replies to my emails where they were actually saying for the first time how they enjoyed what i was saying it wasn't just hey this is really useful information but it's i love what you're telling me about yourself about your stories i love the way you're relating that to things about email as well so it's just making that connection and just being more real more genuine and the better you can come across and be your real authentic self the more you're going to connect with your audience the more they're going to enjoy what you're sending out so that's that's probably the biggest thing that made a difference for me wow and if you could give us language professionals specifically just one piece of email marketing advice what's what would it be send more emails it's as simple as that because i think most people still worry that their audience don't want to hear from them um, whereas if what you've got is going to be useful, of course, they want to hear from you. So don't be afraid of sending out more emails. Um, if you're not sure what to talk about, you can even ask your audience. You can send something out saying, well, how can I help you? What do you want me to talk about? And then just send more emails more frequently to the people that are opening your emails. Make sure that you use whatever report you've got on your email platform to find the people that aren't engaging and maybe stop mailing them, maybe send them a last chance. Do you still want to hear from me mail? But then focus on the people that are opening your emails and just send them more content and keep helping them. And don't be afraid to put an offer in the email, even if it's a PS or something like that. Most, the, most people don't give their audience enough opportunity to come and place an order or, or, or become a client or whatever. So, you know, communicate more and make more offers because as long as you're sending good value out, people aren't going to get upset with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for all these valuable insights and the wisdom that you, that you shared with us, Adrian. We will make sure to include Adrian's links in the, uh, the podcast, podcast notes. So do check them out and make sure you follow his work. He's very active on Facebook as well. I really hope that this conversation was useful and also applicable to you and your language business. Again, my name is Gabriela Ferenzi. And if you want to get more bite-sized, easy to digest episodes on practical, modern online marketing, then maybe Make sure you follow this podcast and for more resources you might want to visit gabriellaferenzi.com forward slash thrive online which is where I share even more so all these links will be available in the podcast notes and with that thank you thank you very much Adrian for joining me and thank you for listening and, and tuning in. And those of you who are following uh, our channel on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. And I will see you next time. Take care and goodbye now.